You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is going on, Uncanceled? How are you guys doing? Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, make sure to subscribe to us. Come on now. We just got over 100 subscribers. Let's go. 100 subscribers. Let's We've been go. at this for maybe two or three months now, and um, the channel's been growing. That's great. So if you're watching on our Spotify, then uh, thanks for tuning in as well. I'll tell you this. The best way to watch is on YouTube, really, yeah. because you get to actually see what's going on, especially when we do rate that. Yeah. Apple. Apple. Come on now. What do we got today, Ben? Today, Impact. I'm so excited. This is an Apple that neither of us have ever tried. This is... I hear that people rave about it. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. Um, okay. Well, this is a, a rave Apple, and I found it at Stop and Shop, and I'm excited. Yeah. That was a that was nice a one. Good joke. All right, let's let's see this right here. I'm not going to lie. It feels a little waxy on the outside. Let's see okay. what's going on we'll here. We'll find out. All right, let's 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 check it out. Hmm. Oh no. Wow. Man, take it away. This is not the best apple. <laughs> My excitement has quickly turned to disappointment. <laughs> Um, it's pretty soft. The apple's pretty soft, which is just not my cup of tea when it comes to apples. I like the flavor. What do you think? Ready? Uh-oh. I like it. Yeah? I actually... All right, this is like an orchard apple, like we were talking about the other day. It's like, it is a little soft, and the skin is very thin in the sense that there's not a lot of it. And it's easy to go through, but there's a nice crisp on the inside with the with the actual like inside of the apple. And it tastes like if you've ever had green apple candy before, it tastes oh, like wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Right? You're right. Like, it tastes just like like if you were to have a green apple Jolly Rancher or something like that. This tastes like that. Like I actually really am, am enjoying this apple. And I think it's very tart, but it, it's acceptable. Like because it has like a, it's a nice tartness. Where does Green Apple Jolly Rancher rate, uh, rank? Oh man, you? I would put it probably number two behind Blue Raspberry. Okay. Um, but we're we're not See, doing rate that Jolly Rancher no, right not. now. But Green Apple for me is lower, which is why I don't like this as much. Okay, so if you here's kind of what I, what I'm getting here. If you like the taste of Green Apple, you'll probably really enjoy this apple. Like, yeah. it's a really good substitute for eating like instead of eating like candy, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I actually really like this apple. In fact, I like it enough that I'm going to keep it right here next to me for the for the rest of the podcast, and I'm going to have some after. All right. I'm giving it a four and a half. I'm giving it a seven. I'm enjoying it. I, I might even give it a sub point five. It's I'm really having a good time with this apple, and uh, yeah. That's good. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining in with Rate That Apple. All right. No, we're done now. All right. Well, let's get to more pressing matters than apples. Today, I want to talk to you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is something that has become controversial in Christianity, which is a shame because they're gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to the church. And it's become controversial. Are these gifts still for today? You know, how, how do they, if they are for today, what, what is involved? You know, what, uh, you know, if they are for today, are certain gifts gone and others still here? So let me, this is the question I want to address. Are the gifts of the Spirit for today? Are the gifts of the Spirit for today? You know, Starbucks just came out with their pumpkin spice and stuff like that. I actually just got this right here. You can probably see it in the camera right now. I got a stainless steel Starbucks cup today, and I put a pumpkin cream cold brew in it. Fire. Anyway, <laughs> the gifts of the Spirit, are they for today? First, let me ask you this. What are the gifts of the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? I'll give you this definition of the gifts of the Spirit. There's many ways to, in, there's many ways to kind of say the same thing. Uh, some different people have different ways of doing it, but a lot of men of God would put it like this. The gifts of the Spirit are special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to believers. Where am I getting that definition? The Bible. 1 Corinthians 12.1, now dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives us. So Paul, who wrote Corinthians, says it's the special, the special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to believers. The gifts of the Spirit, there's a list that's provided for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are as follows. I'll read them to you. I'll read you the text. Verse 2 of chapter 12. I'm sorry, we're going to start in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from a spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So what are the gifts of the Spirit? Let me break it down to you. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gift of healing, gift of faith, working of miracles, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Now, I'll tell you this. There's a couple of these gifts right here, actually a lot of them, that people misinterpret and don't understand. Next week, we're going to go over what the actual gifts of the Spirit definition for each of the gifts of the Spirit are. Today, we're going to more deal with are the gifts for today. Once we come to a conclusion with that, next week we're going to go and we're going to answer what the gifts of the Spirit are, like actually their definition for each of the gifts and how you can operate in them. 
And this is something, a lot of the information that uh, I, I'm going to provide today is going to come from two different books. First, a book called The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit by Dr. Lester Summerall. The other book is a book called The Camels Are Coming by Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. They are two excellent books from two people that operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Spoiler, spoiler alert, the gifts are for today. But I'm going to prove it to you why the gifts are for today as we go through this broadcast. So we know what the gifts of the Spirit are. It's abilities the Holy Spirit gives us. What is the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I'll read you a scripture. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is to edify and build up the body of Christ. Some people having a misunderstanding about the gifts where they think that it's like God is just constantly telling everyone else your business. And while you may be able to discern something by the discerning of spirits about somebody else, God does not just sit there and spill everyone's entire life story to someone if it's not going to benefit that individual. Again, you may have the, uh, a discerning ability to be able to go, I sense that there's something wrong there because you just walk in discernment. But I went to Bible college with this, with, uh, this guy. He was kind of weird with some spiritual stuff. And good guy, just kind of weird with some stuff. And he, would, he came to my room one time and started telling me that God told him that this one girl on campus doesn't really know him and they're not really saved. And, you know, God's, you know, God just, you know, wants me to know that they're not really saved. And I asked him this question. I said, why did God tell you that? And he was just like, I don't know. God tells me people's stuff sometimes. And I was like, is God like a busybody? Like, is he a gossip? Like, I didn't say any of this to him because uh, to be quite honest with you, uh, the individual I was talking to was too arrogant to be able to hear anything from me. So I kind of just let them talk or whatever. But I walked away from that and I said, is that really what somebody's understanding of the gifts of the spirit is? Like that God just gossips information? When I'm moving in the gifts in a service, God doesn't just gossip to me about other people. Now, again, I may be able to discern something and know, so, and know something because of the uh, ability to discern, but the, I'm not going to like, God's not going to be like, you know, just so you know, like, you know, for the last, you know, five years ago on August 31st, this person did this. And I just wanted you to know that Joey, like if he told me that, it would be for a purpose to build that person up and to encourage them and to edify them. So the gifts are to edify and build up the body of Christ. While it's not the main purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts can also serve as a sign that God is real to unbelievers. There were times in the, in the, in the Bible where a gift, a gift of the Spirit would activate or be present uh, whether it be a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, whether it be a gift of healing, working of miracles, etc., where it would show the power of God to people. And so sometimes the gifts of the Spirit, although it's not its main purpose, because the scripture says that it's to, it's to help one another, it's to build and edify each other, but it can serve as a way to show people that God really is real. 
that God actually exists. I've, I've uh, had an example where I, the Lord's given me a word of knowledge while ministering to somebody and I say it to them and they're like, wow, that like, uh, they don't even know God. And they're like, wow, like, how did you know that? And I tell them it's because God revealed it to me because he wants to help you today. So the gifts of the spirit, we know its purpose. We know its definition. Again, it's definition. It's the special abilities that the, that the spirit gives to, uh, to believers. And what's its purpose? It's to edify and build up the body. And it also can serve as a way to show people that God is real and alive, although it's not its main, main purpose. So are the gifts for today? There are two views of if the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. There's the cessationist view and there's the continuationism view. Okay, take a guess at which one is, uh, is which, right? Cessationism ceased, continuationism continue. Continuationism is the belief that the gifts are still for today. They've continued throughout the period of the church, past the time that the apostles died. The gifts are still active today. Cessationism is the belief that they've ceased either when the apostles died or when the Bible was finished, uh, was being finished. Uh, uh, be, the Bible was done being written. I don't know why that has, I had so much trouble with that. But th those are the two views, cessationism and continual, continuationism. Ceased once the Bible was finished, continuationism beyond the time the Bible was finished being written. So again, we have ceased and continue. Here is a main argument of cessationism in 1 Corinthians 13.10. They argue this verse here. It says in verse 8, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought like a child and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is, a partial, is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Okay. So cessationists believe that the perfect passing away, when the perfect has come, that these things will pass away. They believe that the perfect is when uh, the Bible was, was finished being written. That's what they believe. When the canon of scripture was finished, then boom, that was the perfect because the Bible's perfect and that's the perfect. And so they believe once the Bible was, was done being written, okay, that's the perfect, and now the gifts have ceased. Well, let's investigate this for a second. If you actually look at, the, at this text right here, there's a couple of things wrong with that interpretation of, oh, well, the perfect is when, you know, the Bible was done being written. A couple of things wrong with that. First, it says in that same time period that when the perfect has come, in the same context it says, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. And then it says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will know everything with perfect clarity. Let me ask you this. 
if the time of perfection really has come, do we know everything? Do we know everything with perfect clarity? It says in the next verse, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Let me ask you this. Do we know everything now? Do we have a perfect and complete knowledge now? The answer to that is no. We have the revelation of God's word, but we don't know everything now. In fact, some translation says, then we will see face to face. Then we will see face to face. If the time of perfection is the Bible being written, then who are we seeing face to face? The answer is Jesus. Why? Because the time of perfection is actually when Christ returns. When Christ returns. The time of perfection is not when the Bible was done. Not when the Bible was finished being written. The time of perfection is when Christ returns. So what it actually is, is when we see face to face Christ as opposed to the Bible. Because then at that point, yeah, we'll, we'll be in heaven. We'll know everything. Like we'll be right with God, right? That's the time of perfection. The time of perfection is not the Bible being completed. So again, review. The time of perfection is when Christ comes back. Because again, who are we seeing face to face if it's not? Second, uh, it says we'll have complete understanding in verse 12. We don't have complete understanding right now. We still are in a world where we don't have complete understanding. We have the word of God and God can teach us anything that we need to know, but we don't always have this perfect understanding. And so many cessationists have realized the error in this argument and have actually argued that it's a poor argument for cessationism and that it's actually a strong argument for continuationism. There are cessationists that have confessed that this is a bad argument for us and it doesn't look correct. And good kudos to them for figuring it out, but like maybe like change your viewpoint to a biblical viewpoint then if you realize that it's a strong argument for continuationism. So the time of, of uh, perfection is when Christ came back. Continuationists do not believe the, uh, that um, the gifts are for today, obviously. They think that they've passed away, that they no longer happen anymore. Now let's look at continuationism. Continuationism. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, verse 21. Chapter 2, verse 21. And Peter repeats it in Acts chapter 2. That in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. And then it continues to say, your sons and daughters will prophesy. What is prophecy? Well, prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. In the last days, when are the last days? The last days are the time period for leading up to Christ's return. It's the time that, it's literally the time that the Spirit fell all the way until Christ's return. So if it says that in the last days, and even people that are cessationists will admit, yes, we're in the last days. They understand what the last days are, but yet they reject this idea that people will be prophesying in the last days. Clearly, the gifts are still active if it's said in the Bible that in the last days, sons and daughters will prophesy. Sons and daughters will prophesy. The gifts are for today, clearly according to this scripture, because we're in the last days and it said that people would prophesy. Obviously, the argument 
for cessationism and for continuationism is a little bit more complex than everything that I'm saying. I just kind of listed two, two different aspects of the argument just now. There's much more depth and, and detail and things of that nature. But ultimately, it comes down to this. Cessationists, they believe in some of the gifts, but they don't even realize that they believe in some of the gifts. They believe in the gifts in Romans where it says that people can help one another. They believe in the, the gifts in Romans chapter 12. That's what I'm referencing right now, where people help one another, the gift of helps. They have no problem with that. They have no problem with the gift of pastor. That's the gift that Christ gave the church in Ephesians. They have no problem with the pastor. They have no problem with the gift of helps. What they have a problem with is the supernatural. The supernatural. There's a fear. There's a fear to want the supernatural. The early church operated in the supernatural, and there's really no clear... The, the thing is, the cessationists take unclear scriptures in the Bible, or they take scriptures that could maybe, you know, possibly hint towards it, like the text that I just read, even though it really doesn't if you, if you look into it, and they say, yeah, the gifts don't exist anymore. There's no... If the gifts did not exist anymore after or we're not in operation anymore once the bible was complete or once the apostle died the bible would be very clear on that the bible would be very clear on that but it's not why is it not clear on it because they're for today they're for today they won't pass away until the perfect comes and the perfect is jesus christ when he comes back cessationists have no problem with non-supernatural spiritual gifts they have a problem with supernatural spiritual gifts. And a lot of it is actually rooted in fear. They're afraid that if they believe in those things, what if they don't happen? And they don't want to have to explain those things. They've also seen people abuse the gifts of the Spirit and pretend to be operating in the gifts when they're really not. And so instead of dealing with that issue and teaching it correctly and just trusting God in faith, they just say, nope, they don't happen today anymore. And it takes away any responsibility for them to teach in them, to flow in them, or to have them be misused. As a continuationist, I see, or a Pentecostal, as a Pentecostal, I see very clearly that, yes, sometimes people do act in the gifts incorrectly, but that doesn't mean that we should throw the gifts out. It means that we should teach people how to operate in them correctly. By the way, Pentecostal, that, that belief should mean Pentecostal is the belief that the gifts of the Spirit are still in, uh, in operation today. So, I full-heartedly believe that the gifts of the Spirit are in full operation until Christ's return. Some people, even Pentecostal denominations, I know some right now, they want to get rid of certain gifts. You can't get rid of any of the gifts. Stop trying to get rid of any of the gifts. As soon as you start trying to get rid of some of the gifts, then you might as well start to get rid of all the gifts. Call all the gifts into question. All of the gifts of the Spirit are in operation until the return of Christ. Very simple. The apostle is still in office that is for today. The evangelist, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, all gifts that Christ gave the church in Ephesians, and they are still in operation today, and they will not end, they will not cease until the return of Christ, until the time of perfection comes, which is the return of Christ. We can't be throwing out the gifts. The gifts are so important. The gifts are so important. They build up the church. They edify the church. Without the gifts of the Spirit, the church is lacking a key component. 
I've gone to churches. I've walked in church buildings, talked to pastors that don't believe in the gifts anymore. And I mean this, you know, they're, they're very nice people, a lot of them, but I mean this with all due respect, they're dry. What do I mean by dry? They literally lack like any like anointing or they lack any fire. If you don't know what fire is, I just preached a whole sermon on it last night. Fire, it's just this, it's literally just like this uh, complete dedication and devotion to, to Christ. But literally, they, they lack no, the people don't have fire there. The people just have a bunch of the word of God, which is good. We need to know the word of God, but they have no spirit of God moving in the place. People aren't actually encountering God in their churches because they're missing a key component of the Bible, and that's the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, the Trinity, the gifts of the Spirit need to be operated in. Without them, it's dead, it's dry. People are not encountering God to the fullness that they need to be encountering uh, God in. We need to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It changes people's lives, I promise you. When you get called out in a service and somebody has a word of knowledge for you, and it's spot on, Oh my goodness, it changes your life. What, by the, I'll just tell you this now, we're going to get into this next week. A word of knowledge is when God gives you a revelation about somebody's past or present situation. And uh, like when somebody has a word of knowledge for you, it's spot on. How could you deny the fact that God is real? It stirs something in you. Wow, this, my, my God is real. My God is active. He's present. He still cares about me. But when we just have a bunch of Bible talk and there's no power or no spirit, it's just like going to a museum. Oh, this was nice that God did that years ago. How do I even know that God is real? How do I even know that these things happened? Well, you know that these things happen when the gifts of the Spirit are being operated. And you're like, I know that these things happen because I've experienced it for myself. I've seen the Spirit of God move. And I'm not saying we rely solely on experiences, but I'm saying that the Word of God talks about the gifts of the Spirit being in operation. And when you encounter them, it will change your life. It will change your life. The gifts of the Spirit need to be operated in. The Bible's clear that the early church needed them. We have record of the early church being operating in the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are for today, and they will not cease. I've seen them operate in my life. Nobody can tell me the gifts are not for today because I've seen people get touched by the power of God. I've seen word of knowledge. I've seen word of wisdom. I've seen prophecy. I've seen tongues. I've seen interpretation. And it's real. And it's real. So who's eligible to receive the gifts of the Spirit? Who's eligible to receive the gifts of the Spirit? Everyone who's saved can operate in the gifts of the Spirit and have that opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, you will not be able to, to operate in the gifts. If you're not saved. There's two schools of thought. In order to operate in the gifts, you must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The other school of thought is all you need to be is saved, and then you can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this. I believe that biblically speaking, there is pretty strong evidence that people that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, that they do not operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit with power and regularity. You can see it in the Bible. Um, if you don't know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, we've done a bunch of podcasts about it, but quickly I'll tell you this. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you strongly and you begin to speak in an unknown tongue. You begin to speak in an unknown tongue and basically that baptism of the Holy Spirit empowers you to go do things for God. And so you begin to speak in tongues. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. 
And you can see that in Acts chapter 2. But Jesus, he told the disciples in Luke, he told them in Luke, and then again in Acts chapter 1, he told them to wait until power on high came, uh, came on them. He told them to wait in Jerusalem until the power of, of the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's what he told them. He didn't tell them to go out and do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon them. So then Jesus ascended to heaven, and then 50 days later, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and then they went and they did things for God. There seems to be a clear connection to being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being used in the power of God. There seems to be a clear connection. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, he goes into the wilderness, and then it says he came out filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then his public ministry began. There seems to be a biblical model of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and then operating in the power of God. There seems to be a clear cause-effect relationship. In the Old Testament, it says that people that were used by God, that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. I was just reading about Deborah, the judge, and you could read that in Judges chapter 4 or 5. I forget which one it is. I believe it's chapter 4. Deborah was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There seems to be a connection to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and, and operating in the fullness of the power of God and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. The disciples did not do miracles, signs, and wonders when Jesus ascended into heaven right away. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit fell on them that they, flo uh, that they flowed in the gifts. So if you're watching this and you're called to ministry and you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Seek God for it. God is the one that will do it by his Holy Spirit. Seek him for it. Because we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to be able to operate in the fullness of everything that God wants for us. We need it desperately. We need it badly. Because that's what will change people's lives. That will change people's lives. Miracle signs and wonders convince people of the reality of the gospel. They show people, man, this thing is real. This thing is real. It's actually happening. We need the operation of the gifts and we need miracle signs and wonders. Cessationists don't believe in miracle signs and wonders either. They don't believe in that. We need miracle signs and wonders. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need those things. They show the power of the gospel that it's real. I'll tell you what, I can tell you that God is real. I can tell you that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I could do all that stuff. But then when I demonstrate that Jesus is alive, when someone comes down to the altar with a cast on and we pray for them and in Jesus' name be healed and at the name of Jesus they're healed, who's going to tell me that God isn't real? I'm going to say the proof is in the pudding. Show me that he's not real. I just showed you why he is real. What do you think? That people are just pretending that, that their body is healed all over the place? No. We need miracles, signs, and wonders. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do not let anyone convince you that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. The Bible is clear that they are for today. The Bible never tells us that they've ceased. And any scripture that people use, they're not using it in the correct context. And for cessationists, really what it is, so that we can understand them, is it's a fear. It's a fear thing. It's a fear thing. If the gifts are in operation, then, then some wacky things might happen is what their mindset is. The gifts are for today. The gifts are for today. That's really all that I want to talk to you guys about today. The gifts of the Spirit, what are they? It is the special ability that the Holy Spirit gives to believers. 
What's the purpose? It's to edify and to build up the body of Christ. Who can receive the gifts of the Spirit? Um, that would be anybody, in my opinion, really. It's anyone who's saved and then is baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe the Word of God teaches, and that's what I believe it shows. If you want to operate in the gifts with regularity, then you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Are they for today? Absolutely. In fact, the, the, the strong cessationist verse that people try and quote in 1 Corinthians 12 is actually a very strong argument. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 13 is actually a stronger argument for continuationism. It's actually a stronger argument for Pentecostalism. The gifts of the Spirit are for today and we need them. We need them. Next week, I'm going to answer what the nine gifts of the Spirit are. I'm going to walk through each and every single one of them, and I'm going to answer what these gifts are and how they operate and how they function. And again, a lot of the information is going to come from Dr. Lester Sumrall's book, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit, as well as the book, The Camels Are Coming, by uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. You guys see here I got my Tim Tebow jersey on. I am not a Jets fan. I'm a Cowboys fan, but I like Tebow, so I got his jersey on today. Football is coming back. Come on, fall is in session, but guess what? That just means we got to press into the Word of God some more. Come on now. We're going to be inside more, not doing as many summer activities. we got to press into the Word of God more as we get ready to go back to school. Amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you guys, and we hope to see you at Impact next week. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.